Welcome to Insight Out, a podcast from Ipsos UU that explores emerging trends, budding innovations, fresh thoughts, and creative ways to get closer to real people in real life. Each episode features thought-provoking conversations showcasing industry-leading thinking from the Ipsos Global Network of Insight Specialists. I'm April Jeffries, and I'm your host of today's episode of Insight Out. Today we'll be talking to Luciana Obniski, our lead curator from our team in Brazil. She and I had a very interesting discussion about the importance of listening to the voices that fall outside the margins. And in the course of that discussion, we cover some important topics like what being at a disadvantage does to you and how great it is to find meaning in your work. Luciana, hi, how are you? I'm great, April. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Listen, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. So we've talked a little bit about what we're trying to do this season, um, which is all about really understanding this notion of of the small voice sometimes. And by small, I don't mean in size. I mean in being sort of off the center, right? Not in the yep. middle of the masses. And you have done some some really cool work in just trying to make sure that, A, we have access to those voices, and B, to make sure we hear them correctly. So why don't you, why don't you talk to me a little bit about, about your project and, and what, what possessed you to even go down this path? <laughs> so um, my project, the, it's, uh, the initiative that I started in UU Brazil is called Coloring the Spectrum. It was actually... It was actually just a normal project, you know, day-to-day work. And as I wrote down 18 to 65, men and women, it just hit me that that maybe was not representative of the society that we have today. And then it hit me that that might not, you know, that we might not be realizing just how much we're leaving out when we're not paying enough attention. So yeah. coloring the spectrum is about making sure that we are paying enough attention so that we're not leaving any of the colors. And by colors, I mean all the great qualities that people off of the usual spectrum have and could bring to our project. What are some of the other ways that we might try to segment people or group people? I feel that this is also very particular to each project. So, um, for instance, when we are doing a fashion project, a women's fashion project, we have to listen to trans people. The spectrum of people that consume women's fashion is not only women or not only cis women. So um, we have to make sure that we're listening to everybody that shops on that section. What does women mean these days? It doesn't only mean, you know, the usual, you know, the people that we would go to normally. So I just wanted to make sure that when we're talking about women, we're actually looking at the full spectrum of what women means. Yeah. So, okay, but part of the reason why we end up going back to the old way, if you will, is because 
those are the people we know, right? We don't necessarily know these other people that, to your point, we need to be, be talking to. So what's the process or how do you make sure that you are thinking broadly enough? I think that part of that comes from the fact that I am the lead curator in Brazil and curation is um, one of the methodologies that we always go for experts and people that know more about a subject. That in curation, it started to become very clear that even our experts needed to be more diverse. And it just, it, and so to me in curation, it's, it's more easy to realize just how much more data and depth and, you know, richness comes from listening to people who are not the usual people that you would go for. This is an ongoing exercise. So I think that part of that is just from keeping up with society, which is just mm -hmm. our job. And then part of that is actually um, proactively looking for those people. The more I talk to experts, the more I realize that we're not listening to all the sides that we mm -hmm. need to listen to to make sure that we're giving the best advice on one topic. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that, that's a really good point to make, and I think you know you you being a curator certainly helps that. Um, but but for the rest of us who who may not necessarily think that way, I think it's important to just always keep it top of mind, and then maybe do some research, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so for this initiative that I, this was an issue that, you know, I wanted to make sure that everyone could um, kind of, you know, just build on each other's um, discoveries, right? So what I proposed is that each of us who actually kind of map, you know, some, a group that needs to be heard and that is off the spectrum, we um, go for NGOs or we search for groups, you know, um, and then we start making um, contact with um, these groups of people. It could be online, you know, it could be just, you know, a, um, just a, a, a chat group. It doesn't have to be, you know, a support group for, for an issue specifically. But um, so we reach out to those groups. We start a conversation with them, and we also have then uh, – Kind of a roster that we can go to um, mm -hmm. whenever we need to speak to a specific um, audience, you know, and that we need to make sure that we can reach fact because this is also an issue that we have with our projects, you know, is sometimes, you know, when you're trying to recruit or you have a third party recruiter, he'll say, oh, I can't reach someone like that in two or three days. So we're also trying to, you know, skip a few steps to help them do that. So we doesn't, it doesn't impact on our ability to then deliver fast and robust results to our clients. Awesome. So you're actually creating your own database of these people. Yeah. And sometimes that the people, and I use air quotes as I say that, sometimes those people will, sh will shift, right? They'll be different depending on the project. But you now have a pool that you can draw from. Is that yeah. correct? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So, okay, so let's back up a little bit. I want to know why you, Luciana, first of all, you are part of our Brazilian team, yes? Mm -hmm. But I'm interested to, to hear your path that got you to this point. Um, okay, well, I am a journalist. That's, what, mm. that's my major. I was a journalist for 15 years before I started um, going into uh, market research. 
Um, I think that I don't think that I I never applied for the curator role. It was my boss, which is best person I've been led by. Um, she is a fantastic woman, and she was the one who realized that I had the ability to be a curator. So, um, and then of course I realized that I've been doing curation all my life, but up to that point, that was not my job title. Um, so, do you think journalists are curators? Um, I do think that journalists are on the right path, but um, more importantly, I think that journalism is part of the reason why I look for, you know, people that are outside of the norm. And, um, and it's actually kind of funny because in Brazil, I was never able to contemplate them being a journalist. Um, it might have Wait, been because. What, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, it might have been because um, I was a fashion journalist. You know, I was like kind of a um, lifestyle journalist, or you know, it didn't. It was. It just felt like I was never doing it as organically as I wanted to. And then when I started doing market research, it was very organic, and I was able to listen to people for who they were, and not because they were doing something specifically, and not because they deserved to be on the front page, but just because they were interesting on their own. Um, so that's part of why I'm interested in this specifically. The other thing that led me here is the fact that I am a mom, and being a mom... Um, as you know, as many of the women who listen to this will know, might be the most, um, it might be the the single most hurting event to your career. Um, hurting event? Yes. Okay. So, um, we know that the path becomes a little bit harder when you become a mom. Um, and I think that being in a place of non-privilege helps you realize just how much that impacts your life. So being in a place of of not being privileged helps mm -hmm. you realize. So you feel like as a mom you're not privileged? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Why do you say that? Because um well, in Brazil, 50% of women will be laid off two years mm -hmm. after they return from maternity leave. Um, and that is actually what happened to me, not at ESOS. This was mm -hmm. before um, I was hired at ESOS, and it's actually the opposite of what happened at ESOS for me. But um, in general, when you become a mom, you realize that, you know, part of the, part of, you know, the career path that you had kind of just, it shuts off. You're mm -hmm. not, you know, you're not, people don't think of you as someone who could do that, um, especially in Brazil. Um, and I think that going through that was my most, um, it, it was, to me, it was a life-changing experience just in general. Again, I think that the place of non-privilege changes you forever, no matter when it happens to you or how it happens to you. Well, what if you've never seen privilege, though? What if that's been your experience, the place yeah. of not privilege? Then what? Yeah. That's really interesting because, honestly, then you there's almost a flip thing that goes on, right? It's almost like 
there becomes a judgment of the privileged because it's just such a different experience. And, and, and it all boils down to not understanding a different experience. I can appreciate other voices. Mm-hmm. And you, I, you know about this because this is also a very important topic to you. It does have to do with empathy. And this is why empathy has been such an important topic for Ipsos these past few years. When we're talking about empathy, we're talking about building louder microphones for these voices that need to be heard. I feel that I feel that maternity will always make you look at life different because, you know, you know, having children just changes everything. But to me specifically, it also brought light to the fact that um, we need to make sure that we're listening to people who are not as privileged as we are. Otherwise, um, we will never be able to help make products that are actually fitting for the majority of society. Mm. So, so what I'm what I'm hearing you say is the experience of being at at a disadvantage opened you up to to hear how other people are experiencing something similar to that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting because w- what you're saying, Luciana, which is which is quite profound, is that the way people feel disadvantaged changes throughout your life, throughout your situation. Um the way people move to the margins as we talk about, right? These voices right. from the margins, it it changes depending on a situation, depending on context right depending on where you are so so bringing that feeling of being you know an outsider or disadvantaged person to everything or at least understanding what that feels like it sounds like that's something that's really helped you to to kind of recognize what can be found in those places definitely yes i think that um at the same time i think that our Weakness is also the place that we hold the most power. Mm. And I feel that when we tap into that, then we are also able to bring both, you know, both the the fear, both the, you know, the place where the person doesn't feel like they have much advantage is also the place where we can make the most impact. And I think that that is also very important for our clients and for us in general. Right. As researchers. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think that once we've reached reached into that also, I think the good part about having gone through that is that I feel that it's also easier to tap into that, not mm-hmm. only in myself, but in other people as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was I just got gooseies hearing you say that. That's really <laughs> very, very cool. Right. Because, you know, what you're saying is. Tap into your weaknesses because there's power there. There's something really, really cool about what you just said. So, so let's um, let's talk a little bit more then about how this impacts brands and businesses. And you know, have you have you had any experience where being able to do this has really made a difference in what you found? Yeah. So um, I really do think that this is kind of like a point of no return. I don't think there's I don't think we're going back. I don't think any brand nowadays would say, nope, 
I don't need to hear anyone, you know, outside of this group that I decided is the only group I want to talk to. We know that that is not true anymore. So I feel that, you know, the better we get at it, the more our clients will realize that, you know, we are taking them on the the journey that they need to go on. There was one project that they we um, we were asked to talk to ten people about actually um, childhood, and when we recruited these people to talk about childhood, we made sure to include um, black pediatricians, um, single mothers. Um, single fathers and one father who had actually um, who was actually raising his um, ex-wife's child so he was mm. not the biological father but he had taken on this role and so we had a pool of people you know that we made sure we're not the usual. So if we want to talk to fathers, we're not only going to talk to biological fathers. We're going to look for people who have also, you know, taken this role yeah. for other reasons. And we are going to then bring what it is that, you know, how was he raised? What were the things that he thought was missing from his life? What are the things that he wants to bring to this child's life? You know, mm-hmm. how... Mm-hmm. What moved him or what it is, what is really, you know, what is the bond that we talk about? How is it made? Does it come from blood? Does it come when the person, when, you know, when the baby mm. is born? And this, it, it was so rich. Like we could tap into so many more motivations that parents had and that, you know, I think that usual parents, and I don't want to say usual because we are all usual parents, but um, we could tap into motivations much more clearly mm-hmm. when part of the unconditional love was kind of like not there. We already knew that this was going to happen, but the client realized that instantly, you know, that having people come from very different backgrounds was very rich. So so let me ask you a question on that, because I was on another project that that said something similar. And the the trick was when people self-defined as something, it kind of led us to a different conversation as opposed to imposing a definition on someone. So I think what you just described to me is, is, is really interesting because it's, it's that beyond just what we call cultural differences, right? It's what you said is someone who defines themselves as a father, even though he may not be what we traditionally think of as a father, he wouldn't have necessarily checked that box, but he will have a whole other way of describing fatherhood because it's a personal, self-selected thing that he's done. Yeah. That's amazing. That is yeah. amazing. And it says a lot about how we try to impose things on people versus letting them tell us how they've defined themselves at any point in time. Yeah, I think that actually that is particularly um special that you're saying, April, because I feel that because we have applied filters as the first step of our work for so long, we've actually started doing that without thinking of everything that we're leaving out as we're doing that. Yeah. 
This is about us as society taking on the exercise of making sure that we are contemplating everyone that is a part of our society. Yeah. Yeah. And and those filters you talked about, it's interesting. It's it's a necessity because those filters have changed, right? I mean, you can't even just say male yeah. versus female anymore. Yes, exactly. You know, there's, there's shifting. So right. There's a spectrum. There's a spectrum. I just think that we as researchers will never stop trying to make sure that we're listening to those voices because that's also something that, you know, came to me that was it, – it just made it that much more important to me to make sure that – this initiative started and that we were exercising this because we are talking to the early stage innovation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who better to bring these new voices than mm -hmm. us? And it is also something that we're, lit that we're hearing from our clients. And I think that this is also important for us to say. Um, most, a, a few of our big, you know, trendsetter clients have already approached us to make sure that we're expanding the spectrum. Yeah. So this is also about um, us being the leaders that we are in the market research, um, you know, um, category, that we are also making sure to bring this new, um, this new way to look at society to all our clients and not only to the ones that have already caught on to the fact that this is – that we are walking towards that much, you know, um, each each and every day and, you know, faster and faster. So this is also about us making sure that we are partnering up with our clients and being the so, partners that we want to be. Right. So so it's our responsibility is what you're saying, and we should be held accountable to that, right? Yeah. And I think – and I, and and in that moment, I feel extremely lucky that my job and my, you know, social view, you know, my, the way that I want society to be just fits together so well because that also makes our work so much better, so much more insightful. So, you know, it, I mean, talking about purpose, you know. That is cool. So you found your purpose and you're living it. You go, girl. I really do appreciate the work you've done, and I just want to thank you so much for sharing that with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for leading the way, for being such an incredible leader for us in diversity and inclusion. It really is, to me, an honor to, you know, go alongside you and help in any way I can. Well, I will pay you for that later <laughs> but thank you again for this and and you know again welcome to inside out and hopefully we will have you back as you can continue to do these wonderful projects that you're leading thank you so much april <laughs> well thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of inside out be sure to hit subscribe on your latest podcasting app to make sure that you'll get all of our latest episodes delivered directly to you.